welcome to this week's Boxcast. It's Wednesday, the 7th of September. And as you may be able to hear, we are out on location. We are in the beautiful gardens of Restore Cafe on the Cowley Road. Uh, and we've escaped from the office for a bit, partly because it's hot and partly because it's busy. <laughs> Today we're going to talk about uh, tuberculosis and biking and uh, <laughs> the, <Hopefully> wonder- <laughs> the wonderfully named Hell's Gazelles who are playing this week. And Katie's going to give us a history quiz. And we're kicking off with Mike with the weekend. This weekend it's Oxford Open Doors again. Loads of buildings and uh, institutions and organisations in Oxford, um, they open up their buildings so you can go inside and have a look around. And you don't really think about it so much, but you're walking down Broad Street and you see all these medieval houses, you, the, the Oxford colleges and all this stuff, and you can't go inside. Um, and that's what Oxford Open Doors is for, is to be able to see inside all these magnificent buildings. So it, it's an annual thing and it's quite well established. So you, lots of people will have been before and all the colleges do it. So you'll expect all them, and you can walk around those, and most of them are open all day on Saturday and Sunday. Um, then there are a few other places which you might not have thought of, so all the museums are open, the Oxford Castle's open, um, and they'll have guided tours and things, so that's interesting. But there are a few things that you just won't have thought of at all and don't they know they exist. And I think that's what Open Doors is really good for, is highlighting the interesting parts of the history of Oxford. So, first off, there's the Painted Room on Corn Market, which is quite famous, actually. Lots of people know about it, but it is shut off for most of the year. Um, so that's the room, what, it's above Reebok now, around there. But it's opposite the Crown, anyway. Uh, and it was owned by them at one point, and uh, it was said that Shakespeare stayed there. Um, and no one knew about it until the um, 40s, I think, um, when suddenly they uncovered these incredible panels and freezes and stuff. And now it's been preserved and it's owned by the Oxford Preservation Trust. So they open it up every year, and it's very nice. Uh, there's also the uh, Swing Bridge on Rudy Road, just part of the railway, which I've seen it a couple of times. It looks just like a couple of sleepers thrown onto a, on a siding, but it was, um, it's actually very interesting. It's a really important part of railway architecture in Oxford. Uh, it was built by Robert Stevenson of Stevenson's Rocket yeah. in uh, 1850. Uh, and yeah, it was going to be destroyed at one point, but um, they saved it because it's so important. But it swings over the sheep wash channel that's there. And uh, they are going to preserve it or restore it at some point, I think. But uh, yeah, you can go and see that and have a tour of it on Saturday from 2 till 4. And then there's also the Osney Lock Hydro, which is fairly new. That was finished in 2014. Um, that's the hydro generation station that's um, on the river, on the Thames, down at uh, Osney Lock. And um, yeah, I mean, you can walk past it and it has a few interpretation boards and you can see inside. But there'll be a tour of that on, uh, at 2pm on Sunday, which I think will be really good. I was looking up how much it generates and... Uh, the projections, if it was generated at maximum capacity, which it nearly is, can power between 35 and 40 homes for a year. Yeah. It's an enormous amount of electricity. It's all community-owned as well. It's very exciting. But also the Oxford Preservation Trust is running loads of walks around the centre all over the weekend and really just find an old building and walk into it. It'll uh, <laughs> be fine. <laughs> They're also opening up Rooney Road Fire Station, which I think would be where we're heading probably. Yeah. They're doing some demonstrations, aren't they? That yes, uh, I think there's an entire recreation of a car crash. <laughs> I'm hoping in not too much graphic detail. <laughs> Is that someone detail, crashing but... a car? <laughs> <laughs> well, it might be it like how they like people this. out of it. <laughs> <laughs> so the full listings are on the Oxford Preservation Trust website and they're very good. You can see all the availabilities and uh, lots of stuff is starting to book up, so get in early now. Also, on Sunday morning, there is a baby and children's market at the Oxford Academy. Um, they run fairly frequently, um, and you sort of go take your old baby stuff and sell it. It's sort of like a, ba- a baby car boot. Um, 
there's a, I can make a pun here about baby seats, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> the Baby Cafe is having a stall there, so they're taking loads of donations all this week, uh, so you can give to them, and they're raising money for a great cause, which um, you know a lot about, don't you, Jane? Oh, you do indeed, yeah. So the Baby Cafe is uh, the service which runs in a lot of um, children's centres at the moment, um, which teaches people how to breastfeed and gives you a lot of help. Um, and it's pretty vital, really. Um, without them, the only source of help would be at the JR, and they're a bit sort of informal, I suppose, really. <laughs> you have to kind of go at the right times and book at the right things. And the Baby Cafe happens almost every day, and it's got really, really lovely people who are very helpful. And, uh, yeah, I, I know a lot of mums who... Um, you still get help there actually because um, of course you learn one thing and then the baby gets teeth and you have to change totally what you do <laughs> or something like that <laughs> and then of course there's only how to not breastfeed anymore <laughs> how do I stop this um, yeah. so they're good all the way through really. um, but yeah their council funding was, was cut um, and the children's centres are going to not exist anymore pretty much well, fairly soon really I think they extended the opening till March but then of course because they're not running past March a lot of the staff have had to look for other jobs already so, mm. so the council's like oh dear well we'll shut them early um, so uh, yeah not things not looking good for there we hope the baby cafe will be able to move somewhere else and yeah. to community centres perhaps instead mm. so. there is yeah there's, there's a very large fundraising campaign still going on so this is there only a small part indeed, of it yeah. but, um, there you can find out more on our site I think yeah, yeah and we've got a link to the baby cafe site as well so, tuberculosis. Um, <laughs> I'm sure you're all wondering. Um, this is a new exhibition. Um, it's one of a series of mini exhibitions um, in the Western Library, uh, which I've talked about various of those before, I think, or, or perhaps we have on the podcast anyway. Um, I'm really keen on these. The Western Library is a really lovely space, um, and it's got this sort of grand hall, um, which I think is called the Blackwell Hall, which is a lovely space, it's got a coffee shop in it and it's just really kind of sunny and spacious you've probably seen it at the top of Broad Street there Yeah. Um, what's interesting about the hall is that uh, I because well, when I was doing music uh, the library moved to the western while it was still being built and in the hall there's this big gallery around the top and we had to go in there to look at books and you could see it all being built as we went down and because we were so used to it uh, with full of builders and full of dust sheets and everything it seemed when we went in there when it was finished just to be, oh, ok this is how it was going to be well, I went in this weekend just to have a look around. It's incredibly grand. Yes. The, the edifice of it. It's, it's a really fantastic building. Mm, yes. Really interesting. Yeah, I really like it. I think it's one of the most pleasing sort of modern buildings. Mm. Um, yeah, so in the hallway there, they, they, they do have a permanent exhibition space sort of through to the back, but they also have these two glass cases in the hallway, and they're really good at using those for mini-exhibitions. So one of them, they've got an old map, of Oxfordshire that's so old it's uh, a tapestry. I think it's from, hang on, I'm going to say 1558, I may be wrong, uh, but anyway it's really really early and it's one of four panels that were commissioned by um, a chap who who's had a house that was sort of on the corner so each each panel goes out from his house in a different direction um, and they've got the Oxfordshire bit of it and um, and it goes through to Herefordshire and uh, yeah, fun. Anyway, um, yeah that's not about taking tuberculosis at all, um, but the, the other glass case has a more changing exhibition. Um, and this time it is Tuberculosis Milestones of Discovery and Innovation. So that's going to be on display whenever the Western Library is open, uh, which is really quite a lot, every day anyway. Yeah, this is about um, the development of the medical advances and the history of the disease, and TB has been in humans since ancient times, really, really long time ago, and it um, 
is the disease that used to be known as consumption. Mm. So of course it crops up in all sorts of art and literature and opera and all the rest of it. Um, People being consumed. <laughs> yeah, wasting away. Yes, the, the blood and the handkerchief and the cold. Mm. Oh, it's all doomed. Um, yeah, so um, they thought they were going to get completely free of, of TB, but uh, and it began to pop up again in the 80s, so probably, unlike smallpox, it's never going to be eradicated. But I thought I'd find out a little bit about how much you know about TB. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> is it caused by a bacteria or a virus? Oh. Bacteria. It is a bacteria, Mycobacterium tuberculosis. Is it treated with an antibiotic or a vaccine? Vaccine. Uh, vaccine. Both, in fact. Um, it's really unusual. Um, yeah, the BCG is a vaccine that a lot of people have had at school. Um, is that what that's for? Amazing. Painful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. BCG, BCG, if I can cry. I don't know if it did it everyone's, everyone's school, but oh my God. Oh, ouch. Banging around. Yes. Um, and the Jenner Institute here in Oxford is also running vaccine trials for a new vaccine as well as a top up, but it is also treated with antibiotics, and that means problems because of antibiotic resistance and there are now multi-antibiotic resistant strains. Uh, what fraction of the world's population is infected with TB? That is quite a lot. Approximately. Oh. An eighth? Eight. Uh, eight percent. Oh, eight percent. Yeah. Um, I'm going to go 12%. A third. A third? <laughs> That's partly because there's a, a sort of latent version where you don't really show the symptoms but you are carrying it. Um, and it's a problem in circuses and zoos as well because it's it's present in other animals as well as humans. It's widespread in which captive animal in the US? Captive. Um, I can always guarantee you're not going to guess this. It's oh a really no. mean question. Uh, cockatoos. Nice, I like it. It does affect birds. <laughs> uh, tigers. Elephants. So you're uh, pretty close there. <laughs> the, the oldest definite sighting of TB there is is uh, in bison from Wyoming from uh, 27, no, 74,000 years ago anyway it's oh really word. really 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 ancient and it's in fossils so yeah so we know that it's been around a long time gosh wow yeah but none of which is great fun really no. <laughs> uh, but I'm sure this exhibition will cover all sorts of things more positively in terms of how we're actually battling the disease and what the future holds and, and whether we'll be able to get rid of it that exhibition runs until the 16th of October uh, and it starts this Friday. A second exhibition, also part of the Bodleian, but this one's in the Proscolium, uh, is the Women of the Bodleian. Um, and this is an exhibition about the early female staff, including the first female permanent librarian, Frances Underhill. Yeah, that has already started and runs to the 23rd of October. The Proscolium is the one off the main court on the way to the Divinity School. There's very little about Frances Underhill on the internet, so you're going to have to go to the exhibition and find out all about her. Um, and then put it on the internet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, and the exhibition focuses on uh, sort of 1920s and sort of just post-First World War. Um, yeah. That's when the first librarians were around. Female librarians. 20s? No, I think that's when the, there were first female staff, in plural. Um, yeah, but then women can get degrees then. Oh, that's true. I mean, that, that lasted up until the 50s, I think, in, in uh, Oxford. Yeah. Most universities had got there a bit before. But, uh, yeah, in Oxford you couldn't actually graduate properly. So mm -hmm. it's not terribly surprising. As some of you may be aware, there are some wonderful charities in Oxfordshire and I thought it'd be nice to highlight one of the more animal-focused ones. So I've chosen to talk about the Blue Cross. The Blue Cross is an animal charity which provides somewhere for animals of all shapes and sizes to be brought for rehoming and medical treatment. 
They aim to find all their animals a loving home and also offer guidance, behaviour services and even bereavement services for pet owners. Oh, it's a really lovely service, very unique. There are two Blue Cross centres in Oxfordshire, one based in Lucknow, uh, near the Oxford Tube stop, and the other one in Burford. And there are also loads of charity shops uh, in Oxfordshire as a whole. I spoke to Tina, the community fundraiser, about the Burford Centre appeal. Absolutely, yes. So really exciting at the minute. Uh, Burford's going through a bit of a rebuild. Um, It's been open for roughly 25 years now and it's uh, a little tired. So um, to improve the welfare of our animals and help us increase the number of pets we have, we're doing a rebuild. So new cattery, new kennels, um, new staff room, new puppy unit. Um, This is all ongoing. We just moved into the new cattery. Um, hoping to move into the, the, the new kennels um, very shortly uh, whilst the main block is uh, being rebuilt. But all really exciting. Um, and so we're running an appeal for that, Go Blue, um, and asking people to go blue with their fundraising. So wear a blue onesie to work, dye your hair blue, um, anything like that. People just can uh, pick a fundraising idea. Um, we'll support them as best we can and then uh, raise some money for the centre. Fantastic. And um, how far away are you from your target? Oh, there's a little way to go yet. Um, Obviously, a big build like this has to be budgeted in advance. So what we're doing at the minute is kind of raising money to support and refill the coffers for the centre, um, ready to sort of um, keep the work going once these these, uh, building works are finished. It's all a bit hectic there at the moment, Um, but we've still a little way to go and the appeal's running till next May um, when the build will be finished. And at that point, we're celebrating, hopefully, with uh, a world record attempt at the centre. Oh, tell me more about that. So uh, we're hoping to try uh, and break the record for the largest gathering of people dressed as dogs. Um, (laughs) We're going to need 500 plus people, so we need everyone to come along. Um, More information will be coming out. They can always find out more at our Facebook page, the Burford Rehoming Facebook page on there. Um, Early days, but um, fingers crossed we'll have a bit of a fun day, maybe a bake-off. Fun for all the family and uh, just get everybody along to celebrate the work we've been doing. Listen to the full interview to hear what story has stayed with Tina and how you can help. There are lots of different ways you can get involved. You can sponsor an animal if you're not able to actually rehome one. You can volunteer and, yeah, do some fundraising. Tina is very interested in getting in touch with local pubs about a special winter appeal, so please do get in touch if you're interested. You can contact them by email at events at bluecross.org.uk. And there's lots more information on the website. Pubs? Huh? Pubs? Yeah. Yeah, she, she wouldn't reveal much more information. I bet it's loaning kittens to pubs. <gasps> oh, kitten pub. That sounds like the when best are we going to get our first kitten cafe in Oxford? It's only a matter of time, surely. Right. Surely. Yeah. <laughs> on Sunday, you can expect to see a lot of people cycling in Oxford, even more than <laughs> usual. Oh, really? Because it's Bike Oxford's Biking Around Oxford event. Uh, Bike Oxford, I think, have uh, previously set up Bike Bath and Bike various other places. Uh, And it's the sort of day where the cyclists take over the town. Um, So, this Sunday there are three marked routes. Uh, Now, this isn't for the faint-hearted, because the shortest one is 25 miles. Um, You can do 80 miles, 50 miles or 25 miles. Um, And uh, they will expect adults and children to be taking part in this. Um, it's a proper sporting event. You do need to sign up. You get a timing chip on your helmet and all that kind of business. Oh, wow. Um, and people set off uh, sort of, well, the, for the longest route, set off at 7.30 in the morning. Um, all routes start and finish at Charwell School. 
um, and you can collect your uh, number and timing chip and things the night before so you do need to sign up for this straight <laughs> do stress don't just turn up um, but uh, yeah um, it looks like it's going to be really lovely weather on Sunday. Weather forecast currently saying it's going to be dry, 13 to 19 degrees with very good visibility. So I can't oh. think of any good reason other than you're going to all the open doors events uh, why you wouldn't <laughs> want to go to this. Um, even I'm quite tempted. <laughs> I'm really not a cyclist. But um, yeah, I think it's cycling camaraderie and uh, they have you know lots of food on offer at the end, <laughs> which is surely a reason to go. Mm. Um, yeah, it's it's going to go around the city centre, start with all historical bits, spread out all over the county. Um, yeah, and uh, it looks like a really nice event. And there's lots of uh, feedback on their website from last year with people really loving it. <laughs> I think it's a really good way to sort of celebrate. It's the very end of the summer holidays. Mm-hmm. But a nice opportunity to go and do something outside. The costs are £33 uh, for adults for the two longer routes or £20 for 25 miles for adults, uh, £10 for juniors, that's anyone 15 or younger, and all under 16s must be accompanied by an adult. Go and have fun. So 2016 seems to be a year for anniversaries and I thought I'd we add... We all remember Cakeability Brown. <laughs> Cakeability Brown? Yes. Yeah, that was the competition. You were supposed to make a cake in the shape of either Cakeability garden. Brown or a landscape yeah. garden. That's... I don't think they got quite as much take-up as they were <laughs> But we hope. <laughs> also, no one knows when he was born, so it was his birthday month rather than his birthday. Yeah, I think they're still... Celebrating. Yeah, they genuinely <laughs> I are. I would be. Yeah. <laughs> I'm very capable of them. Yeah. I thought, let's add another anniversary into the mix. It's been 350 years since the Great Fire of London. Now, I'm sure you're all very familiar with this event, but how much do Mike and Jen actually know? Okay, question number one. Where did the fire start? In a bakery in Pudding Lane. Did know that? Yeah. You did know that. I did know that. Right. Drury Lane. Is it one of those no. QI questions where we're wrong? No, you're right. You're totally oh, good. right. Oh, good. Well done. That's a relief. <laughs> Which famous diarist wrote about the fire? I don't know, Mike. Who was it? Um, Samuel Pepys. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, peeps. That, that's um, how many deaths were officially recorded? It's a hard one. Ooh, but it's not many. Mm, I don't trust their official recording. Were the records burnt? No. <laughs> um, uh, like 200? Yeah, I was going to say like 250. So, uh... Actually, it was eight. Oh. <laughs> but obviously more people yeah. died um, and their remains disappeared. Um, yeah, rather tragically. The fire was particularly devastating because the Mayor of London refused to destroy the buildings which would have been an effective way of containing the fire. What a fool. What a fool. I hope he lost office afterwards. Um, he did. I thought so they never took any of the buildings down? I no, they, they were very, very late to do it. But uh, if they'd exactly. done it straight away, it wouldn't have lasted four days. Yeah, so he basically ensured that more of the city was burnt down. Um, is that because it was um, the poor people's housing and he didn't really care? <laughs> I think it's likely. Build a lovely palace on there. <laughs> yes. <laughs> anyway, why am I talking about this? <laughs> I probably yes. should say why. <laughs> we ask that quite a lot in this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> this weekend there's a chance to learn more about the Great Fire of London. There's a storytelling experience of the Great Fire, which is accompanied by live fire demonstrations. Look, this is fire! <laughs> Let's burn things. It'll be fun. And it will be fun. It sounds great. 
so that's at the North Wall Arts Centre on Saturday at 7pm. Tickets are £9 or £5 for concessions. Fun music going on this week. Uh, Casey knows all about this. There's a band called Hell's Gazelles that are doing their album launch on Saturday. Hell's Gazelles sounds a bit like what a Victorian big game hunter might say as an exclamation. <laughs> Hell's Gazelles! <laughs> I think they'd be delighted with that description. <laughs> um, but completely juxtaposed with that, they're kind of a hard rock metal type band, really. Not something I know an awful lot about, but um, they Gazelle are. Hell doesn't sound like hard rock. Hell, like, but, Hell, but yeah. the gazelle sounds a bit well, sort of delicate. Daintily yeah. jumping around yeah. Yeah. with fire coming out of their noses. Yeah, that's about right. Sounds about right. <laughs> um, but they, as far as I know, they're, they're making waves on the metal scene and the rock scene. Uh, so they got second place at the Hard Rock Hell Highway to Hell competition this week, actually, which yeah. uh, is a very good thing. They're going to our beat thing and stuff like that. They won a competition last year and played at Bloodstock, which is a big metal festival. Yes. I'm assured. <laughs> Um, and this album launch is fun, They're, it's kicking off a nationwide tour, um, so they're going Manchester, the North, Edinburgh, quite a few gigs in Oxford at the end, but um, they are from here, so it's yeah. good. Um, so that's Saturday at 7, and it's only £5, but you should buy the album, so yeah, it would be great, you can relive the experience. And that is at the Bullingdon. Uh, but there's also this weekend is the Rabbit Hole Festival, which um, I think there was one last year, but it's a fairly new festival anyway at the Victoria Arms at Old Marston. That's the, the lovely little pub down on the river, um, which is difficult to find, but if you boat there, then it's very easy. Uh, that's starting at 12.30 and running all afternoon and evening um, with loads of local bands. They're also having Taste of Tibet coming along. I'm definitely going. Yeah. <laughs> I think I've been stalking them around everywhere. Yeah, <laughs> they are everywhere, but they do deserve to be. Yes. Yeah. Delicious food. Momos. Many mm. Momos. But a couple of bands you will have heard of, so Papa Nui are there, they're local blue scar bands and they do lots of gigs at the moment. Um, Alphabet Backwards, their techno indie pop stuff, uh, they play lots of cellar gigs I think. Um, some stuff at the O2. But there's also you know, a bit of country, a bit of folk, a bit of funk. It's, uh, it's a lovely sunny afternoon of a festival, really. It's, um, it's going to be very, very pleasant, very nice. Um, so yes, Victoria Arms on Saturday afternoon. That'll be very nice, very pleasant. <laughs> And uh, for full gig listings and lots more stuff, um, check out the new site, which... <gasps> By the time you hear this, it might be launched. <laughs> <laughs> it may be different, slightly. If it's this not, is... spot the difference. <laughs> <laughs> and this is, of course, the real reason why we're in Restore Garden, because we uh, had to keep out of the way today. Everything in the office is... Uh, getting yes. to boiling point. It's a metaphorical building site. <laughs> yeah, Lots if you of... haven't checked out the beta site, now is your last chance to do it and report <laughs> any bugs you find before it becomes yes. reality. Get out your digital drills and try and break it. <laughs> <laughs> we sorted through it with a fine tooth game, but yeah. So exciting. Uh, make sure to subscribe to the Oxcast. Which is this. Yeah. Which is this. <laughs> <laughs> I remember what I said in the dream. What did you say? I said that we got out of the office because the office was so full of year planners. And of course, if you want one, please just send us your address and we'll post you one free within Oxfordshire. Incredibly coherent. Or £2 outside Oxfordshire. Just tell us your address. Do remember to tell us your postal address. <laughs> Some people just say, can you send me one? And to play us out, here is an extract from Hell's Gazelle's new album. Must be your somebody.